You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 76, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Mitra Manesh, a mindfulness thought leader, storyteller, educator, and founder of InnerMap. Mitra has over three decades of experience helping people develop a more mindful mindset at home and at work. She is also the host of the Lights On podcast, which offers support for living a mindful life. You can find out more about Mitra at inner-map.me. I'm extremely pleased to welcome Mitra Manesh to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. In the interview that you're about to hear with Mitra Manesh, uh, you'll hear Mitra talk about her meditation app, Inner Map, and how it's unique in that it uses stories to help teach meditation practice. And I thought I'd spend just a minute reminding everyone that in this time of social distancing and many of us living under lockdowns and quarantines, it's a really good time to explore meditation apps in general if you haven't already. If you're someone who's been thinking about starting a meditation practice, or maybe you have and you've gone on and off, or you had a meditation practice with a sangha or some other group of people or or, were meditating in person, uh, we're very fortunate to live in a time when there are meditation apps now where you can receive guidance from some of the world's leading meditation teachers online, both pre-recorded so you can listen at your convenience. Many of them offer live guidance Many of them offer community features where you can share your questions and insights and experiences with other meditators. There's just so much out there right now that you can use to gain some connection with other people while meditating and guidance on meditating from your home through your device. And of course, on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast and blog, we're often providing encouragement to stay away from devices in certain ways. This is a time when we have significant limits on how much we can be with other people, when it can be really useful to use your device to connect with other people and through meditation apps, which can provide you with support in developing, maintaining that consistent meditation practice. It's really super helpful. So, of course, I encourage you to check out InnerMap. From Mitra Manesh, you'll hear all about that during this interview and check out the other popular meditation apps that are out there and see what's best for you. I hope that's helpful and I think you'll really enjoy the upcoming interview with Mitra Manesh. Hi, Mitra, and welcome to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Hi, Robert. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad to have you here. We're going to talk a lot about mindfulness, your background and work in mindfulness and your product, InnerMap. I wonder if we can start with that, what it is, how it helps people. And and to start out with, what motivated you to launch this? What need was there that you saw that was not being met? Yes, InnerMap is a new and innovative app, or at least I would like to think so. Mm-hmm. It's a mindfulness app in a sense that it really teaches mindful living. Because if you look at the market, it mainly offers meditation 
And I'm a mindfulness educator. I teach at uh, UCLA's uh, Semmel Institute School of Neuroscience for Human Behavior. And I also have a private practice where I coach individuals and workplaces. So where it came from was that my classes at UCLA fill up and go into waiting list, which is unusual. This is not a concert and, you know, people mm-hmm. go into waiting list. But they do. And when it happened a few times, I asked my students, why do you come back to my classes? And, and the answer was that it's because of the storytelling that you use teach mindfulness practices. You see, storytelling is an old-fashioned way of transferring wisdom. That's how our grandmothers and grandfathers got to know things historically. And I have many stories. I've lived on four continents. I have lived everything almost (laughs) that I teach. So maybe not exactly, but when I talk about something, I have a story about it. When I learned that, I thought, okay, I would love to do something that is around storytelling. And and Inner Map was born and and almost um, miraculously, and I don't use this word lightly, uh, the the team members came to me, including the person who runs everything and who probably contacted you and, and arranged all of this, Megan who came to one of my classes and she literally, we, we, the joke is she never left. And <laughs> she just insisted that she, she does something with me. So the, the team came, the stories came, and it was born because I really realized that I have learned through stories. And apparently those who take my classes learn from the stories that I say. So hence the inner map. Yeah, that's great. I mean, as we know, most mindfulness Teaching out there, online or off, uh, very often is focused on teaching techniques, which is important. But it sounds to me like uh, that that's what differentiates you, that you go just beyond just the techniques. I, I'd love to know both what it is about the stories and maybe if you could give us an example of a story. <laughs> I'd love to hear. So what is about the story? So there's a bit of a setup of the story, where it is and, and what's the location and the time. And then there is always a transformation, a transition to the, ah, oh, got it. Mm-hmm. And then that got it also gets a lot of people to get it. Because when you're hearing the story, actually, you're very open-hearted. When I'm teaching, at best, I get open-minded people. Mm-hmm. And when you get the heart to open, it's like if you look at donations and charitable organizations, what happens that all of a sudden I'm happy to donate what I have? Whereas if you offered me something, I nickel and dime it with you. Mm -hmm. But, But I say, sure, no problem. Here is my check. If I have money, it would be millions. If I don't, thousands, hundreds, you know, $10. But what is it? Because at that moment, you connect with my heart, either for the cause or something that you're doing, and then my heart is open. Mm. Same thing with stories. When, when you tell stories and when it goes home for people, their heart is open. And hence, here we go back to technique because, I mean, I'm a teacher. I teach at School of Neuroscience. I'm very aware of the fact that they need to also learn something. Otherwise, this is not a, like, let's have fun story yeah. time. When the heart is open, the integration of the mind and heart takes place. Why? Because mind is almost always on alert. 
the heart that is usually underactivated. So here I'm going to make a blanket statement. Most have overactivated minds and underactivated hearts. Mm. And the stories activate the heart. And hence, now we've got both the mind and the heart integrated and present. And then the true learning happens because I'm not being told at, I'm being told to very gently. Mm. And there is a very good chance that I will uh, remember the story, first of all, and secondly, remember the lessons of the story. Yeah, I find it very interesting that you you mentioned integrating the mind and the heart. And I don't want to paint teachers here with too broad a brush, but it seems like in the West very often there's mindfulness meditation labeled as mindfulness. And then there's some other kind of compassion, meta, or something else that's seen as a separate set of techniques you practice. And that although they might inform each other, they're not integrated all the time, right? The whole idea, the whole idea uh, that how can the East and West meet in the middle? Because as you can see, I mean, we're talking early April and it's the midst of COVID-19. I don't know what will happen by the time we go on air with this. Yes. You can see if there was a time that the West and the East and the North and the South come together is this time. This, This little tiny virus is teaching us how interconnected we are, how contagious everything we have it is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. diseases to kindness to gratitude to love to judgment we're mm-hmm. very contagious so yes this is a great time to bring the east and the west and and see if they can work together east be symbolically um, and spiritually uh, in the world of spirituality west symbolizes the heart and east symbolizes the mind and the idea is even even this greeting mm-hmm. where, this, it's like the East and the West coming to meet in the middle and serving us. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if you, that's extremely helpful. And I can see why people were drawn to this as something that they weren't getting elsewhere. And that was very appealing to them. Is there an example of a story, not to oversimplify things, that you could share to give people a flavor of, of how you teach? Yes, they are. And and by the way, the stories are very short. We try to keep them under three to five minutes. And I also wanted to say that it is a, we, we're running at this time when we're taping this, we are running a three-month free membership subscription, basically because of what people are going through. Mm. It's easy to go and, and check us out, innermap.me, and, and then get the three months free and check it for themselves. But, but let me give you an example of the story. And I'm just going to refer and see which one comes to my heart. The story that comes to my heart is the story of fear, because it's probably relevant. It's a story of a, a young boy who's being bullied at school. And fear, by the way, the energy of fear always acts like a bully. I mean, right here is a bully. By definition, bully is a, is a person that knows no boundaries and just comes to you and comes at you. So the story is that this boy is being bullied by, by a large and much stronger boy in school, and he's petrified of this guy. And he takes his food, he takes him his homework, and like all kinds of 
uh, bullying that you can imagine. And then one day after school, when he's waiting to be picked up by, by his parents, he goes to the front yard of the school where it basically is a, like a gym, like a running uh, arena. And as he's waiting there, suddenly he faces the bully and he realizes he's alone with the bully in the school. He gets petrified. He throws his bag and he starts running. He starts running without even thinking. He runs so fast that he gets in front of the bully. I think they call it for it. What is it? Overlapping or something like that? When you lap somebody, lapping one person. So he realizes that the bully is not there. So he turns around and he sees that the bully actually is follow is in, in sorry, the bully is in his front, not in because he was following. Now he's the bully in front of him. That changes everything. And he stops and the bully comes and faces him. And it's that moment of basically symbolically facing your fear, facing the bully that runs your life and completely takes over you. And the, the story ends basically, and this is a true story of a friend who actually told me who was going to school in, in Israel. And he said that um, I stopped, he stopped, and I just basically said, go for it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, what's the worst case scenario here? Right. Do exactly what you've been doing to me, like, you know, or this. Yes. And of course, the bully is not prepared for this, doesn't know what to do. It's yeah. fascinating that fear, it's a beautiful word we, we use in Farsi. It means a very enlarged, full thing of puff. Mm. It goes, <laughs> there's no substance to fear. So the bully basically mumbles and, and then he leaves. And, and that was a, what was important, the way he was telling the story to me, was that that was a turning point in his life. Mm. So we were talking about fear and he said, basically, after that incident, I really thought, what's the worst case scenario? Yeah. So it's great. I mean, it's great because I know, you know, people often recommend trying to achieve the same insight or transformation through a more mental process. And not to say that that can't work either, which is, you know, sit and imagine what are the various different consequences that might happen and walk yourself through them and try to pick, uh, think of what are the probabilities that, the, which can help. I'm not saying it can't get you to the same place. But this story, by, by addressing your heart more directly, and tell me if I'm wrong, seems like it, it can lead to that feeling in the someone who's listening it in a more direct, visceral way than, than that mental approach. No, you're absolutely correct. And that is right. And by the way, I am not discounting the role and the influence of the mind. However, what I'm saying, mind comes in without an invitation. Mm-hmm. You never, ever need to say, oh, I think about this. You come in, I start thinking. You show me this, I start thinking, mm, that's an interesting background. Why is it brick? Why is it? Yeah. The is always present. Yeah. The question is, can we, and that's why I talked about integration, but it's not discounting what mind does. Mm-hmm. We have to understand the job of the thinking mind is to make sure we survive. So, Our survival is at the mind level, but our thrival, and I know that (laughs) I made it up, survival (laughs) happens when there's an integration and participation of of the heart and the mind. Mm. And that's 
what I'm talking about. Of course, I cannot, how can I discount the influence and the role of the mind? Without it, <laughs> literally, we lose our mind. But but it's not that. It is the fact that it's, it's over-participation needs to be managed through our awareness and through our consciousness. Yeah, so it sounds like you're, you're saying that your focus and inner maps focus on the heart isn't to isn't to uh, focus on it to the exclusion. It's that because we're so have such a tendency to be in our head, so to speak, having a, a, an additional focus on the heart actually can create some this what you showed <laughs> right a balance and coming together. Is that fair enough? Exactly. Oh, that's great. That's great. So tell us a little bit more about InnerMap now that you've given us this background. Sounds like it is a, it's an app. You have a site that teaches mindfulness, guides people through mindfulness, through this integrated mind and heart approach. Correct. So we have a few things happening uh, at InnerMap. One is this, the stories that uh, basically have a title and have a subject. And, and you can learn like about that subject and apl- apply it to your own situation. The second thing that we did talking about integration, we brought the science and the art of music. I'm sure you or your uh, viewers and listeners know about the binaural beats and binaural sounds, which is basically the vibration of sound that conditions your mind. Mm-hmm. We have used that added music to it. I hired a Juilliard graduate from New York, actually, to basically create conditioning of the mind. And that is that we worked with different uh, frequencies to create a state of being. For instance, if I'm lethargic and I need to be motivated, we created a particular frequency for that. Or if I'm the opposite, I'm too hyper and I need to settle down. The and a lot of places in between. So they can. Um, the best way, if I could say it, is that the uh, frequencies we call them smart sounds. Mm. Smart sounds allow you to basically get to the space of meditation without meditation. Uh, sounds and frequencies that meditate you. So that's the second thing we offer. The third thing is actually guided meditation, normal guided meditation. I have a very particular practical meditation, a lot of visualization, a lot of imagination. And I'm adding actually more because of what we're going through uh, in, in this era that we need to actually activate our imagination and start creating because what we had created obviously is no longer either available or are viable. So imagination has a great role. So these are the three things we offer. I also have a podcast, Mindful Living Podcast, that they can access through the app. But let me tell you about, do you have any questions about that? I'm a teacher. I just have to... <laughs> no, it's okay. It's great. I, I really like the, uh, the idea of the music. I know I and many people, uh, it's very common to struggle with achieving this uh, balance between you know sleepiness when you're meditating, particularly for long periods of time, and over arousal on the other on, on the other end, and it sounds like one of maybe at least one of the purposes of the sounds is to is to help keep you in that in that right balance for you. Exactly, they are, and 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 we're going to add more and more. And what now I'm using is I'm using the music in the background to add meditation to it. So just see how the words 
vibration and sound vibration will work together. So there will be a lot of new stuff coming in. But what we're really excited about, you know how I told you the stories are basically from my stories and they're yes. not my clients, my friends, my, my students, and, and some are mine. But now we're opening and we're working really hard. My team has been working really, really hard on it to open the stories so that we can hear people's mindful mm-hmm. stories. So I really encourage, and by the time, by the way, I think this podcast is aired, hopefully it will be up and running. Please feel comfortable to submit your stories. I'm talking to your listeners because that's what will bring a true substance and diversity mm-hmm. in, into our, our stories. So any mindful stories, any moment of aha, any compassion, any awareness, any anything, and, and maybe I should actually define how I share with you how I define mindfulness and um, I invite your listeners to actually contribute their stories and we're really excited about that that will make it very rich so it's not one way it's our stories to you and then there's your stories to us let me just make sure people know how to submit these stories through the app through the website is there somewhere particular they need to go yes they need to go to our website and we're going to receive this, there will be a submission form. It will be your stories. And it is at innermap.me. Innermap.com is ours too, but innermap.me is our direct web address. And yes, they will see it. It's called Your Stories. And they can actually submit their stories there. And they can submit stories in three forms. They can submit it in audio if they feel just comfortable by just doing it on their uh, you know, smartphone. They can submit it through video if they feel like that's more, you know, them. And and if none of these work for them, a lot of people may be shy, um, mic shy or, uh, you know, camera shy. Uh, then we will accept it in writing and we will put, uh, you know, sound to it. We will read, we'll get somebody to read it for them. So that's they, great. Any form that they feel comfortable. They can be anonymous. They need to, uh, if they don't want to be recognized, they can use their name. It's always first name anyway. That's excellent. I'm excited to see what comes out of that Thank from you. such a wide variety of experiences. So, yes, you were going to go on, to, I think, to talk about um, maybe some more new things that you're doing or that are on the horizon. Yes. So uh, I'm doing a lot of training online. I'm getting very comfortable doing that. And, and of course, I, I see clients, coach clients online too. But I'm creating, I think by time, yes, it will be in May. I'm doing Mindful Leadership at UCLA, uh, Mindful Awareness Research Center, and really changing it and, and putting the emphasis on this, you know, uh, remote working, remote meeting, because Parameters have changed and people need to learn how to do that. So I'm going to do leadership. I'm doing a lot of how to deal with, I call it trauma. We can call it shock, but probably it will be a trauma recorded in history, Mm -hmm. a collective trauma, a collective trauma that we can use as a collective pause and collective mindfulness opportunity to really evaluate where we're going with the life that we're leading. Do we want mm-hmm. to continue this way? Do we, I, I call it the alarm clock of life. It's gone mm-hmm. very, very loudly. And it's like we've woken up now, like you are in the morning in shock and you're thinking, you know, you have to calculate where you are and what day it is and what you need to do. 
It's like that. That's what COVID-19 has done to us, regardless of why it has happened and how it is. It's not a political statement. However it has happened, the fact is you and I, our journey included this experience. Mm -hmm. We can blame, I can say it was this fault and that fault and, you know, but really it doesn't change the fact that somehow me, the higher me, has chosen to be living in these particular times. Mm -hmm. So hence it becomes part of my journey and how I want to work with this. And so do I want to wake up just like the alarm? You can turn it off and go back to sleep. That's an option. Mm -hmm. always do. Or we will say, okay, I'll, I'll do the responsible thing. I'll wake up and evaluate what my responsibilities are. This is, we're all really standing at a fork right now. Uh, and it may not be work-wise, it may not be financially, it may not be not the normal ways, but definitely energetically, all of us are standing at the fork. And we're saying, what do I stop doing? What do I start doing? And what do I continue doing? There you go. You wanted uh, methods and systems. I have a lot of those. Yes. So this is it. You need to do that. And you need to do that at many different realms of life. How do I do my work financially? Okay. How do I do my relationship? A lot of relationships have found new problems or they have found new connections. Fascinating because I'm working with a lot of couples and families Mm. and things come up. The dirt comes up. It's like cleaning the problem. First, you need to see the mess then you can actually put it in order and clean it up. A lot of opportunities to redo, undo, or not do what you were doing. Yeah, we chatted a little bit before the interview, and you you mentioned something to the effect that uh, the the effects of COVID will linger with us, whether we choose for them to or not, right? They, They will happen. And so there's a choice to be made about whether to face them. Exactly. And the question remains individually, how do I move through this? There are many options. We can stay in this reactive mode, which is, by the way, very natural and very common. Of course, a shock has happened. If I didn't have the reactive mode, I wouldn't survive. It's just like if a car runs right, cuts right in front of you, Mm -hmm. have that moment of shock, you wouldn't know how how fast you should stop. That's a great state. But it's a great state to visit. I call it, you need a visitor's visa. You mm-hmm. cannot have citizenship to that state. It's a fantastic place to visit. Otherwise, you won't survive. Right. A very unhealthy place to continue living because you won't survive uh, because this is not built to stay in the shock and uh, survival mode for a long time. Yeah. And I mean, I, I see a lot it seems a lot of tendency of people to right now have the attitude, which is understandable, of wanting things to, quote, go back to normal or go back to the way they were, which I said, understandable. I have that tendency come up in myself. But, you know, I I try to use some mindfulness to recognize that time doesn't go backwards and the reality will be new. It doesn't mean we can't consciously try to recreate certain elements of what happened before. But I also recognize that you, you can't step in the same stream twice. You can't go back home, whatever metaphor you want to use. Like the, the reality and my experience of it will be different. I don't know if you can speak to that at all. 
Yes, that's one of the principles of mindfulness, which is presence. So when I'm not present, I'm either in the past or in the future. And we need to visit both of them. Again, my visitor's visa analogy. I do need to go to the past. What for? For learning. But the problem is we usually go for the pa- to, the, to the past for lamenting, not mm. for... So I ask, are you lamenting or are you learning? It's a different L. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic place to go with a very short-term visitor's visa and with a very clear itinerary. I go there to see if there is anything there, and there is a lot of meat and substance there that for me to learn. But when you're lamenting, which is very natural, I don't want to not honor the fact that people are lamenting the past right now. I was walking on the grounds of UCLA because I live close by, and I found myself just yesterday, I found myself just looking at Royce Hall is where the concerts are, and I was there. I go usually there, like, you know, there's classical music, there's like, and I just for a second, it was just like, oh, you know, it was just weeks ago when I was coming, which is so far from the experience that I can have right now. All of a sudden, in weeks, that's a dream. Right. Car or walk there and go to a to a concert and be with my students or right and and then immediately I I took a note and I came back to the present right we do go to the past we need to honor our past we need to acknowledge our trauma but if we stay in that state the very thing that we're seeking right now which is health mm-hmm. is. And we do go to the future, by the way, that's what every sadness and extreme of it is depression needs a past. So whenever you're sad or depressed, your attention, your energetic self is in the past. It's not in the present moment. And, and the same with anxiety and anxiousness, it needs the future. So we either go to the past lamenting or we go to the future, you know, worrying about what's going to happen. So I, I, it's a, dub, a different W that I invite people to do. It's, mm. it's wandering, mm. curious, because it's a completely different energy. When I get curious, I wonder how else can I do what I was doing? I wonder if there is other ways of doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder if I could improve this relationship. That seems like, you know, it's, it's quite challenging for me. So learning and lamenting the past, Worrying or wondering the future mm-hmm. and the present moment to, to be open to creativity. Because when we're in the past or future, there is no room for creation because everything is solid in our minds. Yes, yes. Creation, creativity needs that pause and being in the present moment. Yeah, very helpful. And uh, yeah, as you were speaking, before you said creativity, I was thinking of of active versus passive might be another way, you know, this future worrying is a passive, what will happen as if it will just sort of occur and I have no agency in it at all. So uh, yeah, very, very interesting. I want to share briefly, I did for those people who know John Oliver, (laughs) he's a, you know, comedian, he shared what I thought was a mindfulness exercise, but it was really a funny way of doing it saying, I know we are all, and I, you know, maybe uh, you'd say lamenting, trivial things in our life that have gone away for now. For him, it was a football tournament that wasn't going to happen. But what was mindful about it was he said, let's give ourselves 30 seconds 
to complain about it. And he did it on air about his football team. And he spent 30 seconds and he said, look, you know, same as you from a comedian's perspective. There's yeah. nothing wrong. And let's let ourselves get that feeling out. But spend only 30 seconds at it. Right. There's your visitors. Yes. <laughs> That's actually amazing. And that is a mindfulness practice. Actually, I, I suggest to my clients and I do it myself as, as often as I can hopefully on a daily basis with my partner, when we touch base after a full day of work, we each take about a minute. And I suggested to all of your couples or family members that are living together right now that you take about a minute. Nobody times it, but we sort of get a sense of what one minute is because sometimes mm -hmm. we don't. And we just go nonstop about things that we are complaining about. Yeah. So there was traffic. Can you believe this? People didn't show up. I can. I didn't have lunch. Anybody, and I, of course, forgot my. And you go on and on and on. And and this, by the way, needs no uh, no advice. It doesn't need fixing. Yes. I want no reply. Yes. I just want to hold the space so I can complain. One of the healthiest things that I get reports on from from couples and family members. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to hold the space and hear me. And then I'm fine. Then I say, oh, how are you? Would you like some water? Do you want yeah. to like, right. it's normal. But it's just like, first of all, you get a picture of my day. You get yeah. a picture of what's going on in me. Hey, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm working. I mean, I've been through trauma. I told you before we went on air. Yes. gone through a war and revolution. I literally walked out of my country of birth, Iran. So a lot of trauma came back when this happened. Mm. My partner keeps the space when he's only listening and I'm only speaking. And I'm just saying, I, I, this is exactly how I felt when this happened, when that happened. And he just listens. Mm -hmm. That's all he does. And you don't know how important it is for us to be heard. Mm -hmm. And if I was, I've been doing this job, working, training, and coaching people, I call it from bedrooms to boardrooms to courtrooms because I was a vice commissioner. And if I was to identify one issue, one challenge that everybody faces on four continents that I've lived in is the fact that we are unheard. Mm -hmm. We are unheard in our homes, we're unheard in our workplaces, and we're unheard all the places in between. This allows us to be heard. Can you just hold the space? I don't want you to do anything. Just hear me out. Okay. Part of the mindfulness practice that they can do at home. I just suggested to a family, actually, there were six of them on Zoom working with me. I said, just every night, now that, thank God, you don't have all those parties that were separating you. They were very, very active. They're partier kind of family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the complaints of the family was, that we never, ever see each other. It's a hotel. They called it hotel such and such with their last. So I said, now you have the opportunity to sit around and just get one minute each. Let them tell you something that you don't know about them. And believe me, there is so much we don't know about our family members. And love. So it's a great practice. I'm glad that he suggested it. It's a very good mindfulness practice. Yeah, I, that's one minute because <laughs> I have more space to listen, but <laughs> one minute is a great idea. And let them just, just complain and tell you inner, inner self and outer self, things that you know they can't do and things that they're feeling that is heavy for them. Yeah, that's great. And you know, the person who's listening is also really offering something. They're offering their presence. 
you know, that's also not, not just a passive thing to be the listener. It's something that can be engaged in actively as a mindfulness practice on, on, on both sides. I call it domestic service. It's a service to hear people is a complete service. Everybody needs to be heard. Everybody. I'm going to be a bit emotional about this. My thing is, is homeless people. Uh, I don't know, maybe because I always felt homeless um, and I lost my home, but I've got a very soft spot for homeless people. One night, about two, three nights ago, I decided to make some tea and get some biscuits and some, some money to just drive around and see if I can connect with homeless people. And the first person that I came across, I offered him tea and biscuits and, and some, you know, some money. I had five single dollar in my hand and I said, what can I offer you? And he took the tea and he took the biscuits and he said, thank you. He took the $5 and returned two single dollar to me, a homeless person, mm-hmm. lonely on streets of Los Angeles. Mm. And he said, here, take the rest and help somebody else because we're quite lonely these days. And what I want, you cannot offer me. I said, mm. what is that? He said, I want a hug, man. I haven't talked to anyone for days. And it's true because there's nobody mm-hmm. on restaurants or closed. People are not there. So he's feeling lonely. I just offered him um, the famous Hawaiian Ho'oponopono prayer, which is basically for, I'm sure you've heard about it. I'm, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you and thank you. I'm sorry because I'm sorry to see your suffering. Please forgive me because of our interconnectedness, because I probably somehow indirectly had something to do with whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. And thank you for this opportunity for me to practice awareness and compassion. And I love you. I love you because you're part of humanity and, and mm-hmm. life. So everybody needs to be heard. Everybody. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for sharing that story. It's very moving in a way that trying to explain the lesson itself wouldn't necessarily have been. So thank you. Why don't I be great in this time? I'm sure it'll be as relevant as ever when when this interview is posted. As you said, it's now April 6th, 2020 for those people listening. And I've been saying the date on the podcast interviews just because the situation we're in is changing so rapidly, not even always day to day, sometimes within the day. So where can people reach out to you? We've talked about uh, the app. Uh, Is there anything else uh, coming up that they should know? How can they find you, learn more about your work and get involved with Intermap and with you otherwise? Yes, um, we post everything online. So if you go to my name, mitramanesh.com or innermap.me, you will have the information. Just click on the top where, where it says COVID-19 response. We post everything we're offering. And I probably by then I have come up with more classes online. And uh, so there's the online classes that they can come. I do a lot of free sessions through UCLA. I started doing them because people were panicking and I was receiving a lot of emails. And as I said, it's the free three-month membership that we're offering. So I don't know how long we can hold that up because I have a team. But right now it's on and it will be definitely by May. And also a lot of new ideas that we're coming up. I'm very much you know, fluid with what I'm offering to see what is needed. And, and I'm going to be doing that. I also offer one-on-one uh, sessions 
that I'll be happy to do when you go on online. There are a series of uh, services that I provide. One of them is mindfulness-based coaching. When I came up with that statement, mindfulness was not that you know fancy. <laughs> five years ago, we said, what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Mindfulness-based coaching now, thank God, it's on the cover of the Time magazine and everybody from uh, my doctor to the scientists at UCLA are all familiar with it and teaching it. But yeah, it's it's the mindfulness-based coaching, which is very different, by the way, than therapy. This is not therapy. This is about understanding how to move forward. So if you feel stuck and you feel that you need that one-on-one coaching, there is a calendar. You can schedule a meeting with me. And I'll be happy to attend. And by the way, nowadays, it could be just for the whole family. It could be just for you. It could be you and your partner. Whoever is in the household can participate. And um, I'm, I'm happy to help in any way I can. That's great. Really good to know. I'm glad you shared all of those different options for people. Because as we know, we have, right now, people are in all kinds of situations. The family option is good for people who are all home together. And the fact that you can do it online is really, really great. I forgot one thing, Joe. I'm sorry. Yes, that's okay. On podcast, which is a baby that we're really raising lovingly. And, and that's, again, as you know, it's free and free of ads. We're, we're sponsoring it ourselves. And it's available on uh, most uh, major podcast uh, platforms. It's called Lights On with Mitra Manesh. So please look for that and listen to that. Again, it's available uh, when they go to our website, innermap, one word, I-N-N-E-R-M-A-P dot me, and all the information will be there. Perfect. I encourage everyone to check out the podcast. So thanks so much, Mitra, for being on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. I really, really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you. The feeling is mutual. Thanks so much. Bye now. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin, and today's guest, Mitra Manesh, a mindfulness thought leader, storyteller, and founder of InnerMap. You can find out more about Mitra at inner-map.me. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and also review and share the episode with your friends. And don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about how to be more focused, productive, creative, and happy using technology. And sign up for our mailing list to receive a free guide on how to find balance and manage your technology use with mindfulness. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with a special episode on how to be productive while working remotely and stay connected with others.